Welcome to the Leverage to Scale show. I'm Amber Vilhauer, founder and CEO of LeverageToScale.com, brought to you by NGNG Enterprises, standing for No Guts, No Glory. We work with purpose-driven business owners to develop their online platform and scale their influence. We believe that you have the opportunity to positively change the world one relationship at a time. Stick around to the end of the show in about 20 minutes and I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing marketing podcasts. Let's go. So hello and welcome to the Leverage to Scale podcast. I'm your host, Katie, and I'm here today with Rye Russell. Rye, can you tell us about who you are, what you do, and what your business is? Absolutely. I'll tell you the the short version of how we got here. When I was 21, I was at university in Southern Maine and an opportunity came to take over the nation's second oldest drive-in movie theater. And a maniacal kid like me, it just it made sense for some reason. And I ended up leaving university to really explore that full time. And over the, the course of the four years, there were so many challenges other than being 21 and, and starting a new business and kind of really resuscitating an old business. And it was just challenge after challenge after challenge, learning new things. And inevitably ended up working uh, an opportunity with the Honda Motor Company, which really scaled the exposure of this kind of hyper-local movie theater. And I stayed there for one more year, exited in 2015, and I had this crisis of who am I? Yeah, I was 21. I think anybody at any stage of life having success, but especially when you're so young and so new in business, I became that product. I became the theater. And what I told people is I felt like that's where one goes to die. Uh, that's like my lighthouse. You know, when you think of the lighthouse keeper of, you know, live their life, you know, they were a postmaster general and then they retired the lighthouse. Like I felt like I was there. I skipped my whole life and I found my lighthouse and I really had this crisis because it was such a part of me and I was such a part of it. And it was so part of the community that I really needed to explore who I was. And so I kind of went on a journey to really figure out what were my passions? What did I love? And why did I enjoy that experience, but know that there was so much more? And when I reflected, I realized that plastic has such a toxic place in our society. And again, it's going to take a community to make a change. There is no single individual that can take something like this on. And so I spent a couple of years doing just all is all of the research I could about bioplastics, sustainability, our plastic pollution problems. And I had a lot of learning to do, but it was fascinating to me. And I started exploring, started playing, and I ultimately founded the company Not plastic. And for us, what I thought was a kind of a, a fun play with the KNOT is that bioplastics can come from really any source. It can come from a tree. It can come from grass. There's so many sustainable ways to solve our single-use problems. And I thought that this would be a fun, unique, and kind of creative brand to help consumers, but also industry, make better plastic choices. Right. Yeah, that's really, really cool. And so, um, 
you know, in that, so you, you know, were in college, started a movie theater, you felt like plastic was your passion and that's what you were going to do. And you started this business. What was that moment for you when this business like really came to fruition? Every day, you know, every day from day one to today is there's so many products that need to be fixed. And for example, you know, one thing that, that we've introduced is our not plastic shopping bags, which even prior to a pandemic world was something that we needed as a society. Plastic bags is actually a huge waste in our world and takes a huge toll on our oceans and wildlife. And so we introduced this plant-based, biodegradable, not plastic shopping bag. And we what we realized is that industry, that created these products is now starting to recognize that there is a better way. And what we have said is it's not the consumer's fault. It's industry's fault. In the consumer now, I see them all the time raising their hand. I'm so sorry. I'm a nasty polluter. No, you're not. You're doing what you are conditioned and programmed to do. Industry created these brilliant educational tools. And I think people forget this was ingrained in school systems. When plastic came out, there were documentaries shared with schools and our young people were being educated on this new innovation and the revolution of the world. Well, we never talked about the consequences. And I'd like to think that those people didn't necessarily know the consequences back then and we know them now. And so we have an obligation to do better. And so we started to look at like injection molding. And so, you know, for example, phones, we know that the average phone is only used really for two and a half years. And certain brands in particular, we won't name them, um, but their users convert more rapidly than that two and a half years. And so what we decided is a phone case does not need to live forever, nor should it. You know, the phone is going to be disposable. The case should be disposable and we all have it. And so we started exploring different partnerships and We've, we've introduced these kind of plant-based biodegradable phone cases. But for us, we really want to help industry make the right choice. So, for example, I love business. I don't want to see businesses shut down. I don't want to see plastics manufacturers shut down. What I want to see plastics manufacturers do, if they're making a single-use item, then there's other raw materials out there. And not plastic, we have our raw materials, but we also have collected raw materials from brilliant people around the world so we can really provide the best solution for industrial applications. And so it's really about supporting other entrepreneurs. We don't want a plastics manufacturer to ever go out of business because the world is changing to more not plastic options. We want them to keep their people employed. We want them to keep their lines operating and whatever what we, we consider we share love with the world. That's our product. And so whatever their unique love is, we just want them to make it better. That's all. Right. You want plastic manufacturers to keep going and maybe just implement some better practices or a better product maybe that doesn't hurt the world as much. And I think that's really exactly amazing. Instead of being like, you know, all the plastic companies suck, like we're so much better. You're like, no, no, no. Cause they're, they're people, they're still people. And I think that's a really beautiful mission. Like I've never heard anyone say that in kind of that industry of like trying to make the world better. You know, I want to keep those other people employed. I think that's amazing. There's too much hate in this world and we have to share love. And so I can make an enemy 
out of the petroleum industry. I can make an enemy out of the plastics industry. Now, I don't want to say that I'm not going to call some individuals out or some organizations out when they're blatantly deceiving consumers. Right. However, I would much rather collaborate. I'd much rather problem solve than to sit here on my high horse that you're evil and you're polluting this world. Like, let me help you. Let's just work together and collaborate and just do better for society and whole. Right. Especially too that like you're helping them because I feel like, you know, even if your company wasn't around and I'm glad it's around, I think you're doing an amazing thing is the corporations that they may serve or the other companies that those companies may serve are eventually going to listen to their consumers and be like, Oh, we don't want plastic anymore. And you're giving them that option to provide that. I think that's just cool. Um, What's your motivation though, to keep doing this every day? I mean, you know, and keep pushing for this. I cry every night. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I I would love to say that I was joking. This has been one of the most grueling and trying projects I've ever worked on. And I had challenges with the theater where, I mean, I thought impending doom was coming because Hollywood was switching to digital projections and digital distribution. We had 35 millimeter film. We operated three months of the year. Like I, it couldn't happen without that partnership with the Honda Motor Company really saving not just that theater, but the industry, which is weird for an automaker from overseas, but they appreciated the culture. And I think that's where, for me, what drives me is the community, is the society. You know, people joke that this is kind of a a Captain Planet martyrism. It is because I spent four years doing the research, looking who is really sacrificing everything to make these changes. And there's not many of us. And so I needed to just stop waiting and I needed to start doing. And so every day I do something, I get further down the path, I get closer to the end mission. But I also know that this is like chasing perfection. It's not going to happen. We'll never achieve it. But does that mean we're going to not try? Right. Yeah. And um, you mentioned, and you kind of touched on it, is there's been some hard and grueling moments. What have been some of the more like challenging or hard moments for you in growing this business? And how have you kind of overcome that? We're still facing those challenges. And I think we will to the dawn of time. For us, where we really come in is we have products available for consumers. We have products available for industrial applications. We have raw material. And what's hard is ultimately pricing. This is not going to be as cheap as a petroleum-based resin or plastic. However, we can be very clever on the manufacturing, the engineering, and the production side, where hypothetically, it's not necessarily these numbers, but for the sake of the show, let's say a pound of petroleum-based resin is a dollar to make, and a plant-based resin is $5. Now, it's not quite that, but just for the sake of the round numbers, what we need to do is make sure that that finished product we can increase our capacity, we can make more at a time, we can increase our efficiency, and we can produce more for less. So that 
product might seem like a higher raw material cost, but that means that we need to be more nimble and we need to be more clever and innovative on the technology side. And so that's been, I think, one of the most significant challenges is because I'll give you an example. When you're making plastics or extruding plastics in, a, in some fashion, I'll give you a, our filament process. We take raw material and we make it available for 3D printers. Well, there's heat settings all along the machine. And you might get, let's say there's, there's five sections of this machine. You might get to section five with everything going perfectly, but something in those settings is wrong. That means something is wrong every step of the way because whatever you change in step five means there's something you have to change here and something you have to change here and here. And so everything takes a lot of time and it's a lot of practice. And I self-proclaimed myself to be a mad scientist. I'm not going to be mixing chemicals in the lab. Differently is I'm more of a, of a social scientist and a business scientist. If I'm going to take ideas. I'm going to throw them into this virtual beaker, shake it up, and see what happens. And sometimes nothing happens. And other times, it's a massive explosion of innovation, which is really what got us to this 3D printing route. Allows us to prototype months faster, thousands of dollars cheaper, where the industry, and this is what I found in many industries that I've worked in is you, there's so much repetition and they do the same things and they have problems that are unique to their industry and they're used to solving those. Well, this is a new industry in a new world and innovation is every day. And I think that one of the challenges that I have with more of the traditional manufacturing, engineering, and plastics mines is they have their methods and their processes. And here comes this maniacal more media-focused entrepreneur that says it's wrong, it can be done faster, and it can be done better. No, it can't. Yes, it can. It absolutely can. And so by always pushing those limits, I think that's where innovation really comes in. And it's hard because you're dealing with people and you're dealing with individuals that are very, very intelligent and they're very principled. And between you and I, what, my partner is my cousin. He's an engineer. So I feel like I, you know, I can kind of say this and I'll take flack for it after. But engineers think so process, A, B, C, where I may come in and say, oh, no, you better cut C, D, E, and F right out. And we're going from A to Z in three days. Well, for people that are logistics and process and operations driven, that, that's scary. And so that has been the most significant challenge that we faced is that balance between process and tradition, innovation and, and grit, really. Yeah, I mean, that has to be, I mean, yeah, I'm just like processing it all. It's really amazing just hearing how your business started, how you've grown and where you're at now. And so one of my final questions for you, because we're nearing the end of our interview, which makes me so sad because it's been fun and I love what you're doing, um, is what does success look like for you in 2021 and what are your goals? Great question. I, I feel like I redefine success weekly. For me, in 21, success will ultimately be whatever that number is at the end of the year of pounds of raw material, petroleum-based plastic we've kept out of the world. And 
I feel like it's almost too much to put a number on that today of what do I want my team to save from the world next year? Because my honest answer is more. It's always going to be more. If we can, if we can save a thousand tons from hitting our oceans and landfills, great. If we can save 9,000 tons, amazing. So that's how we're going to measure success is we're going to measure success on a tangible impact we have on the world. The dollars and cents, that's for the accountants to worry about. But when I started this business, I started it being in a position personally where I felt comfortable to take these risks to make these sacrifices and to measure ourselves on global impact, not on financial impact. And so that kind of answers that question, but it's also one of our challenges as well because the financial experts don't always love an entrepreneur that just loves the world and really doesn't care too much about about anything else. We've got to keep plastic out of our oceans and our fresh waters. We see what it does to communities all across the world. Yeah, that's I I agree with you, and I I think it's it's smart to not put a number on it because you just want to get to it. You want to get to any number, just um, more, right? Uh, so my final question for you, because we're oh, we're done, and it makes me sad, is how can our community and our listeners help you reach those goals? Amazing. And thank you so much for asking. I invite everybody listening to connect with me on LinkedIn. That is the platform I am on mostly, just R-Y, Russell. And our website is knotplastic.com. And I'm always available. And at the end of the day, if you're a consumer, make one better choice in your shopping habits. And if you're an industrial partner, call me. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rye. It was just wonderful chatting with you today about your business and hearing about how you've grown and how you started. And it was great chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Leverage to Scale show. If you are a purpose-driven business owner or professional who would like to have a global impact by being interviewed on our show, please visit leveragetoscale.com forward slash guest. Now, if you got something out of this interview, would you do me a favor and share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your favorite social network. If you do that, just be sure to tag us with a hashtag leverage to scale. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and pick one winner from each platform. What do you win? We are going to promote you and your business to all of our social media fans totally free. Next, if you thought this was a valuable use of your time, please support the show and give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. I believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. My name is Amber Vilhauer, and I thank you so much for your time. Let's connect on your favorite social channels. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being a part of the No Guts, No Glory movement.